We'll read the whole chapter, but we're going to be thinking about verse from verse 7 onwards. Page 1165. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To me, to, to, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anyone, if any, if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity that we have this evening to think about your word. Lord, please help me to be able to bring out from your word things that are going to be helpful for my brothers and sisters and my friends here. And Lord, please help us all to benefit from this word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's that time of year, isn't it, for New Year's resolutions. Have you made any? <laughs> of course, it's not a law that we have to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's a completely human tradition. But there can be some good that comes from, 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 from them. Um, I know of somebody, I won't mention his name, because um, it might embarrass him if he's listening. Uh, but uh, there is somebody whom, whom I know, who, who, and some of you might know who I'm talking about, who one year he resolved he's going to start attending church. And so the first Sunday of the new year, there he was, sitting in this congregation. And he said, I've decided I need to know Jesus. And um, we talked together. And that first Sunday, I said to him, well, you need to go home and you need to ask Jesus to save you. And next time I saw him, I said to him, well, what happened? Did you do so? Yes, he said, I did. And he was saved. And, and um, he's still walking with the Lord today. So thanks be to God for, for that. But of course, for people who are, uh, for, for people in this world, uh, sometimes their resolutions or their goals, they say, I set a goal for myself, you know, are not to do with Christ, they're often to do with things in this world. Oh, this year I'm going to aim to get promoted at my workplace. Oh, this year, there's a, sale, he's a salesman, he says, this year I'm going to double my sales. Um, somebody else says, this year I'm going to buy a house for myself. Or maybe he might be an athlete. He says, ah, this year I'm going to, uh, I'm going to run the marathon. This year I'm going to uh, go, go running for half an hour every day. Or maybe it's to do with health. They say, oh, this year I'm going to stop smoking. Or this year I'm going to give up drink. Well, what sort of things should we be aiming at as Christians? I'm assuming that most of us here, if not all of us, are Christians. What is it that we should be aiming at? What, what are the sorts of resolutions that we should make? What should be our goals for 2024? Well... Um, here we have Paul talking about his goal, what he's aiming at. And essentially he's saying is that what his goal in life is, is to know Christ. And to become like Christ. 
And uh, that's a very good goal to imitate. And in fact, he does say that we should imitate him. If you look down at verse 17, he says, Brothers, join imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, uh, we've got a pattern here. We've got an example as to what to aim for in our lives. Now, let me just say a word about the first part of the chapter, the context of this. Uh, Paul is aware that there are false teachers who are troubling the believers in Philippi. We don't know if they actually come into the church or whether they were just on the edge of the church, but these were people were were saying that you can't be a real Christian if you're a man, you can't be a real Christian if you haven't been circumcised. And by that they mean not just be circumcised, but if you don't keep the Jewish ceremonial laws. And uh, Paul is, these people claim to be noble and upright, but Paul describes them in very unflattering terms. He talks about them, verse 3, as dogs. And by that he doesn't mean friendly little poodles, he means nasty, savage dogs. These people are nasty dogs. They're evil doers. They are those who mutilate the flesh. And he says that actually they are not the real people at all. They're not the ones who are really worshipping God. They were claiming to be those who worship God. But actually, he says, verse 3, we are the circumcision. We who are believers, we are the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus, put no confidence in the flesh. He's talking to Gentiles. How can he say to Gentiles, we are the circumcision? Well, because... A true believer has been, has been spiritually circumcised. And then he says that if you wanted to go by that, 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 that method of relying on what man can achieve, he says, I can, I can beat them hands down, basically. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh... You know, I could, I could play that game, as it were. And if I was to go by that based on my credentials, I'd beat them all. Um, he says, if anyone thinks he has confidence, reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, verse 5, of the people of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to the zeal of persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He says... If it was a matter of getting to heaven through your works, I could do it. But he says, well, if anybody could, it would be me. But he says, I've come to realize that all the things I used to be so proud about are actually useless. And uh, they are rubbish in comparison with knowing Christ. And then he goes on to talk about his great aim in life, which is 
which is to know Christ and to be like him. Well, as we think about this, I want to think about it under three main headings with a few subpoints. The main headings are this. Number one, what are the aims of Paul? Secondly, how he goes about fulfilling those aims. And then thirdly, he talks about examples. An example to follow, or examples to follow, and examples not to follow, which is to reinforce these points. So first of all, what his aims are. Well, he says his aim is to know Christ. To know Christ, he says, is more valuable than anything else. Everything else in this world is rubbish in comparison with the value of knowing Christ. Verses 7 and 8. He said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, think of Paul. He had been a pillar in Jewish society. He'd been, he'd had the respect. He was, he was in, he was in the elite. He was in the, the upper echelons of society. But because of his faith in Christ, he'd lost everything. He'd lost his position in society. He was now treated as a complete and utter outcast. He was hated by, by most of the Jews. He was constantly being persecuted. He'd lost all, pretty much, he was probably quite a wealthy man, lost all of that. He'd lost his status, lost most of his friends. You might think, Paul, what have you done? Why did you become a Christian? Look how you've lost out through becoming a Christian. But he says, I, he said, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word rubbish apparently means dumb. I count the things of this world as dumb in comparison with the value of knowing Christ. To me, he says, to know Christ is more valuable than anything else. Well, this, this um, reflects something which, which is, is, is uh, a constant theme in Scripture of the great value of knowing God. The great value of knowing Christ. Um, we, we read earlier from Psalm 63, God's loving kindness is better than life. Psalm 19 and verse 10 talks about how knowing the commandments of God is more to be desired than gold. Various places in the book of Proverbs also talk about the value of God's wisdom more valuable than gold. Jesus talks, doesn't he, about how he uses the parable of the of the 
of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. Do you remember those parables? The man who, there was this, this man who was in a field and he came across treasure hidden in the field. And so he immediately sold everything he'd got and bought that field so he could get that treasure. And he wasn't worried about the fact he'd sold everything he'd got because, wow, I found this treasure. And that treasure, of course, is symbolic of Christ, knowing Christ. Or again, the, the man, the merchant, he's looking for pearls. He finds this pearl of great price that's for sale. He sells all he's got with great joy. He sells everything he's got in order that he can fund the purchase of that pearl. And he doesn't, he's not bothered about it because he's found something more valuable than anything else he's ever seen. And this is the teaching of Scripture that to know Christ is more valuable than anything in this world. Why? Because of what comes with Christ. With Christ we have deliverance from going to hell. And instead a place in the presence of God forever and ever in the world to come. We have forgiveness of sins. We have peace with God. We have peace in our daily lives. We have the knowledge of the love of God. We have fellowship with other believers. And we will be able to enjoy the delight of seeing God forever and ever at the resurrection. What price can you put on that? To know God is, is vastly more valuable than anything else. And so his aim, he says, is to know Christ. His aim also, he says, is to know the righteousness that Christ provides. Verse 9. He says, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and depends on faith. You see, the, 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 the self-righteous Judaizers who are trying to get people, okay, you need to follow the, the Jewish law in order to be counted righteous. No, he says, I've abandoned that method. My aim is to be in Christ. My aim is to have not my righteousness, but to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now, of course, that's a one-off event when you first come to Christ. But we need to be strong in that. We need to, to realise and constantly remember that our righteousness is not... The righteousness that makes us fit to know God is not our own righteousness. It's not our own virtue. It's his righteousness that comes through faith. He says, I want to, I want to know this. I want to know that, that, that what makes me right with God is not what I've done, but what Christ has done for me by his death on the cross. This is the wonderful truth. That for us who believe, what makes us acceptable to God is not our efforts to live a good life. What makes us acceptable to God is the righteousness of Christ. But then there's a third thing as well, which is that he wants to experience the power of Christ in his life. 
verses 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He wants to know the resurrection power of Christ in his life. He wants to be like Christ. He wants to have the the power of God flowing through his veins, as it were, and empowering him and enabling him to live a Christian life. Now, there's a bit of a question about the interpretation of verse 11 there. It says, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Almost implying that, that, that we obtain the final resurrection from the dead through, through suffering and through our obedience to God. But we know that's not true because our salvation is entirely by grace, through faith. So what does this mean when he says that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead? Well, I think what he's actually talking about there is in the, it's the same meaning of resurrection as he has in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He wants to know the resurrection life of Christ as he serves him. And he knows that it's as he suffers with Christ, as he shares in the suffering of Christ, he will experience more and more of the resurrection power of God in his life. So that's the, though these, these are these aims then of Paul. He wants to know Christ, he wants to, which he considers to be more valuable than anything else. He wants to, to, uh, to know more and more clearly that his righteousness is in Christ and he wants to know the resurrection power of Christ working in him and through him so that he will be holy and like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how does he go about achieving these goals? Well, we have this in verses uh, 12 uh, to, um, uh, to, to 14. Let's see what he does. First of all, he recognizes that he's not there yet. Verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, or that I'm already perfect or already mature. If we are going to grow to the maturity that God wants us to have, the first thing is to realize that we're not there yet. If you think, oh, well, I'm all right, I'm a strong Christian, I know, I know the Lord, we're not going to run a long race that says, oh, it was easy. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's hard work, you can tell I'm not a runner, but I can tell from looking at people who run, it's hard work. And so it is with the Christian life. It's hard work. Reading your Bible. Praying. Coming to meetings of the church. Fighting sin. Fighting temptation. Fighting the devil. Telling people about Christ. Living a holy life. These things are hard work. We need to work at our Christian lives. Well then, finally, I want us to see...
then what Paul says about the importance of example. He says uh, about finding good examples and also taking heed from bad examples. Look first of all about good example. Verse 17. He says, uh, Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, get to know Christians who are doing this. Come close to them. Note their lives. Um, the scripture says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. We need to um, note those who are, who are living as Paul also lived and we need to follow their example and he's and but also we need to watch out for people who are not living in this right way verse 18 for many of whom i've told you and now i'll tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ they're in this destruction their god is their belly their glory is in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. Watch out for people who don't live in this way. Who are just living for this world. Who are worldly. Who are godless. And keep your distance from them. Don't seek to follow their bad example. Well, I hope that um, these thoughts are helpful for us and as we come to the new year, that, that um, you and I, that we will say, yes, I want to know Christ. I want to know the righteousness of Christ. Yes, I want to know the resurrection power of Christ. And that we will um, take the means that God gives to uh, to to have this deeper knowledge of Christ in the, in the year that's to come. Pray that God will help us to value that knowledge of Christ rather than and, and to, make that, make to, to make it our goal to know Christ rather than, say, for example, to be better off materially. Well, um, our last uh, song is based upon uh, or alludes to this passage all I once held dear number 723